the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. It's like St. Patrick's Day. It's green. It's awesome. I love this. Life, green is life. It's such a dramatic change. We have this purple, then this white, and then green just adorns the church. At Pentecost, life has come. Uh, so we see in this scripture today, uh, Christ calls himself the light of the world. So my question to you today, as is was to them, who turned on the light? Who turned on the light? Because it wasn't on. When Christ was on this earth, it was there, but it wasn't like bright. It wasn't seen clearly. Because when we look back on the lives of the apostles, there was confusion. There was unbelief. Even after the resurrection, there was unbelief. St. Thomas. There was fear. They stood back away. Afraid of the Jews. Afraid of the authorities. There were authority struggles. Who is, the, uh, who is going to sit at the right hand and the left hand? Okay. So we see here that there's great struggle still. There is a difficulty for us. And we see the difficulty also for the apostles. We see the past views of the Lord. They were... Um, they were expecting an earthly king. And so every time Jesus started saying, I'm not going to be an earthly king, I'm going to be a heavenly king, there started to be uh, a confusion in their minds. They couldn't kind of stretch to understand that. Even after the resurrection, the apostles asked the Lord, when are you going to sit on the throne of Israel? <laughs> it's like still, we're still struggling to find this, 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 this light, the, the, the brilliance of this light. And the law, they found out as they practiced the law, that the law did not produce righteousness. It was a school teacher, it was a fence, but it not, did not produce righteousness. So then he, the Lord started talking about the law of the Spirit. So what was this? So you see, all along the way, there was a difficulty, uh, not a clear understanding of the light. So who turned on the light? Say it. The Holy Spirit. Jesus was there. Jesus is light. Who turned on the light? When did the lights like go up? Remember at Pascha we come in and all the lights are up. Who turned those lights on? The Holy Spirit. That's when those lights went on. Let me read this from you for you from... Uh, our patriarch Ignatius in uh, The Resurrection and Modern Man. He says, how can this postal event, this event of Christ becoming man, being raised from the dead, how can it be accomplished once for all and become ours today? That's the question he asks. He says, it happens through the very one who's fashioner of the event, both at the beginning and the fullness of time, the Holy Spirit. He is personally the new creation at work in the world. He is the presence of God within us. 
joined with our spirit. Without him, this is important, listen. Without him, God is far off. Christ is in the past. The gospel is a dead letter. The church is an organization. Authority is domination. Mission is propaganda. Worship is mere mouthing of words. And Christian is slave morality. That's without the Holy Spirit. But with Him, the lights are going to go on. With Him, an indispensable symphony with Him. Do you hear the music? The cosmos is raised and groans with the birth pains of the kingdom. Man struggles against the flesh. Christ is raised. The gospel becomes the power of life. The church offers communion with the Trinity. Authority becomes liberating service. Mission becomes Pentecost. Liturgy is both lived as a memorial and anticipation and human action is deified. Human action becomes the very actions of God. In the Holy Spirit. So who turned on the light? Louder. Who turned on the light? The Holy Spirit. We're excited today. This is a powerful day in the life of the church. It's, it's her birthday. We celebrate this day. The Spirit turned on the light. All that stuff, all that confusion, all that fear, all that uh, struggle was done, finished. And what we ask today is the Holy Spirit would imbue us, would, would do that with us. That's our prayer today. Lord, do this again and again, again and again. It's a powerful thing for us to understand. So, for us today, we say the prayer again. O heavenly King, O comforter of the spirit of truth, who art in all places and fillest all things, the treasury of good things, the giver of life, come dwell in us, cleanse us from every stain, and save our souls, O gracious Lord. That's such a beautiful prayer that describes the Holy Spirit to us, who he is, what he does, what he is in our life. And so... My question, as Petronius says, an indispensable symphony with him, the Holy Spirit, do you hear the music? Not that music. Actually, that is music. That's the angels kind of gargling a little bit for us. Is that Farley Clementine over there singing for us? Do we hear the music? Do we, hear, do, we, do we stop and listen? Do we, do we just stop for a minute and listen to the music of the angels, the music of the Lord, the music of the saints, the music of the church, the music of the Holy Spirit, the conductor? Do we just stop for a minute and listen? I think we get so busy sometimes we miss. We miss the symphony. It's playing loud. And we're out here in a clangy rock and roll band music somewhere in some corner, listening to some banging bass somewhere in a car. Dong, dong, dong. You ever gone by those cars, you stop at a stoplight or something, and somebody's car is shaking? Boom, boom, boom. Whoa, 
They can't hear the music. They can hear that music, but that symphony, that heavenly symphony, that's what we want. We want to hear that music. So, let's take a look at that prayer, and maybe we can be helped a little bit in regard to this when we look at the prayer. We begin it by saying, Oh, heavenly king. Oh, heavenly king. That should indicate to you where your home is. Where is your home? He's your king. Where is your home? It's right here, right? It's right here. This is your home, right? This is it. This is your home. No. Your home is in heaven. We're just passing through. This is a whisper. This is a whisper. This is a short time. The glorious eternal time is in heaven. Let's listen to what the Lord says to, uh, to us in regard to this in the Gospel of John. Um, I love this, these verses. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, the Lord says. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If, I, if it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. John Ronan, you know there's a house in heaven for you? It's got your name on it. It says John Ronan. Elizabeth, there's a house for you in heaven, in a mansion. It's got your name on it, Elizabeth. Everybody, the book of life. This is not where we put our hope. This is not where we put we don't plant ourselves here. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. This is not your home. You're, you're passing through. You're on a journey. For I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself. Where I am, where I am, there you will be also. And where I go, you know the way and the way you know. Those are the words of the Lord to us. This is not our home, beloved. This is not our home. We need to be really confident in that. We need to see that we're, we don't need to be troubled by the things of this life because we can be raised above that because this is a journey. We're like on a path to our home. So important for us to get that. But you can touch heaven now. That's the beauty of what we understand even our liturgy to be, our life to be. You can hear a little bit of the heavenly music that we'll hear for eternity. Now, in your prayer, in your kind charity, charitable deeds, in, your, in, in the liturgy, in your kindnesses toward other people, you can hear the symphony. You can touch heaven, touch that reality. Just by sometimes a simple act of kindness, an act of forgiveness, you can touch heaven. You can touch that reality. So let's understand that we're, we're, kind of on a, we're on a journey. And we're headed to a, to, the, to a heavenly place. Promised to us by our Lord. And then the word, O heavenly king, comforter. How many need a comforter? How many would like a comforter? That doesn't mean a couch. That's, that, this is a real comforter. 
This is one that really comforts, eternally comforts us. So we see this uh, critically for us because we have to understand that God is our comfort. That we, we look for comfort in so many other places, but God is our comfort. And the struggle here is to, I think, kind of keep our mind in that spot, that God is our comfort. That he's doing everything he can to save us. He loves us so much that he does everything he can to save us. That's his goal. That's, that's even when something bad happens to us, he can make that, that, that difficulty turn to good. All things work for good for those that love the Lord, it says. So, let's look at this famous verse that I think we ought to keep in our mind all the time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. So that's his, he doesn't stop doing this. It's his love for mankind and his salvation of man and the world that is his continual work. So, let, think about this for a minute. Has, has, has God, has every action in your life, can you apply every, God's salvation to every situation in your life? Can you apply that? Is God saving you? Because that's the truth. Every act, everything in our life, God is, is, is directing towards salvation. So much he loves us, that's what he does. Everything is directed toward our salvation. So I, I think for me, there's a line in Unseen Warfare that says, to obey and take comfort in the perfect will of God. Obey. Now that's one thing I, you know, obey the will of God. I want you to obey the will of God. Obey the will of God. What, what the saints teach is obey and take comfort in it. Why? Because God is saving you. God so loves you, he saves you. He wants you to get into that mansion, John Ronan. He wants you in that house, Elizabeth. He wants you there. So what's he going to do for your life? He's going to do everything he can to get you there. Everything. That's his goal, to get us to that mansion. So everything he does, it's toward that end. That should comfort us. That should comfort us. Wow, comfort us. Be blessed by this. So. May, may this be a help to us to understand this love of God that comforts us. And then at the last thing that we'll talk about a little bit in this is abide in us. Holy Spirit, abide in us. Cleanse us from every stain and save our souls, O gracious Lord. And this is such an important thing for us. The Holy Spirit has a favorite place to dwell. The Holy Spirit can dwell in the whole universe. You know where the Holy Spirit wants to dwell? Everybody pick your finger up like this. Everybody, please. And do this. That's where the Holy Spirit wants to dwell. Timothy, right there. 
That's his favorite place. The creator of the universe, the Holy Spirit, wants to dwell right here in our hearts. What a, what a wonderful, encouraging thing this is. The favorite place of God to dwell is in the heart of man. We should be so grateful for that. But then for us, we need to cleanse that heart. Cleanse us from every stain. And save our souls, O oh gracious Lord. Because we want that place to be uh, a cleansed place, a pure place. So God dwells richly in us. And we sense that dwelling. So today, let's listen for the music. Hear the symphony of the Holy Spirit. Let that light of God be turned on today in your life by the Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>